0: Good afternoon, everyone. If you have your Bible, open it up, please, to Acts chapter 9. It is great to see everybody back here this afternoon. We have many who are out of town, but I'm so thankful for those who are here with us today friends, family, brothers and sisters in Christ from other congregations. Thank you for being here as we continue to study from the Word of God. We'll begin our study in just a moment in Acts chapter 9. Acts chapter 9. Before we get to Acts chapter 9, I want to begin in Acts chapter 11 and verse 26, and I'll read this to you. In Acts chapter 11 and verse number 26, we find that the Christians or that the saints followers of Christ were first described as Christians in Acts 11 and verse 26. The Bible says, and when he had found him, talking about Barnabas finding Saul, he brought him to Antioch. And for an entire year, they met with the church and taught considerable numbers. And the disciples were first called Christians in Antioch. That's a term that we often describe ourselves as, as Christians. And many people describe those who follow Christ. Uh, as Christians, and that's, that's exactly correct. That's who we are. We are Christians. That's a proper way to describe ourselves. Yet in Acts chapter 9, we find another description of those who are following Jesus Christ. In Acts chapter 9, verses 1 and 2, and I've been thinking about this passage quite a bit just because of our Bible classes in the book of Acts, uh, listening to Brian and his invitation a couple of weeks ago, and talking to some other people, this idea or this phrase that's found in Acts chapter 9, and verse number one the bible says now saul still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the lord went to the high priest and asked for letters from him to the synagogues at damascus so that if he found any belonging to the way both men and women he might bring them bound to jerusalem i think it's interesting how luke describes that describes those who were followers of jesus christ as being part of the way I will admit to you, I have not really described myself when talking to people or when people ask me what I believe or what I'm following as being a part of the way. I don't know if you guys have, but this is a, a way or description that people were Uh, described as um, with respect to being a follower of Jesus Christ in the first century. This is not the only time we read about this. Look over in Acts chapter 22. In Acts chapter 22, as Paul was rehearsing some events that had already taken place, in Acts chapter 22, I want you to notice what he says here. Look at verse number 1. He said, Brethren and fathers, hear my defense, which I now offer to you. And when they heard that he was addressing them in the Hebrew dialect, they became even more quiet. And he said, I am a Jew born in Tarsus of Sicilia, but brought up in this city, educated under Gamaliel, strictly according to the law of our fathers, being zealous for God. Just as you all are today. I persecuted this way. You see it? I persecuted this way to the death, binding and putting both men and women into prisons. Lori and I were talking about this last week. Paul went after both men and women. Did you pick that up? Acts 22 and Acts chapter 9. He went after everyone. If they were a part of the way, Paul said, I'm coming after you. But I want you to notice here that Paul described the disciples, those that he was going that he was going after, as being a part of this way. Look over in Acts chapter 19. In Acts chapter 19, I want you to notice in verse number 9. Acts 19 and verse number 9, the Bible says this. But when some were becoming hardened and disobedient, speaking evil of... Of there it is the way before the people he withdrew from them and took away the disciples reasoning daily in the school of Tyrannus and so time and time again we find this language of those who were Christians or followers of Jesus being described as being a part of the way in Acts chapter twenty four verse number fourteen I'll give you one more example of this Acts chapter twenty four verse number fourteen. The Bible says, but this I admit to you that according to the way, this is Paul speaking here, that according to the way which they call a sect, I do serve the God of our fathers, believe in everything that is in accordance with the law and that is written in the prophets. Over and over again, we find this type of language. I think it may have been about a month ago when Cody and I, Cody Chester and I, we were talking, I think via text, and somehow we got on this discussion about those who were of the way. And I think that discussion led to, what would that look like? Those individuals who were of the way, what would that look like? Those who are a part of the way, and how would individuals know that people in the first century were of the way? That's something I thought about when I go back to Acts chapter 9. Paul is looking for individuals, who are a part of the way. He is trying to search them out. He's trying to find them. He's trying to bind them. He's trying to throw them in the prison. So how does Paul know who is of the way? Have you ever thought about that? Somehow he's able to identify these individuals. I think there's something for there for us to think about that. Uh, we're familiar with passages like John 14 and verse number 6, where Jesus said, you guys know what he said? I am what? I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except through me. But how will people in the world know that those individuals in the first century were of the way, that they were following the one who is the way, the truth, and the life? I want to talk about that for a few minutes. You know, when you think about uh, where we are today in society, you know, people in the first century were not wearing crosses or necklaces with crosses, okay, (laughs) to indicate some of the things that they may have believed. They were not wearing any bracelets with WWJD. What would Jesus do, okay? And none of them were running around with T-shirts that said, I can do all things through Christ, which strengthens me. And yet Paul and many others were able to identify, wait a second, that family over there, they're part of the way. I know that that man right there, that woman right there, they're part of the way. But how? What were those identifying marks that made it very clear to to Paul and to others? Well, the Holy Spirit in the book of Acts unveils what those who are part of the way looked like and how others like Paul could distinguish who was of the way. So I want to suggest three thoughts or three ideas, three identification marks. These identification marks that they had in the first century are the identification marks that we need to have in the 21st century. We are in Jesus Christ. Therefore, we are following the one who is the way, the truth, the life. So what does that look like in the first century? This is important for all of us, whether we're new to the faith, whether we're more a mature Christian. Let's make sure that we have the same identif- uh, identifying marks of those who are of the way in the first century. I want to begin by suggesting this, that I think people like Paul and others could identify those who are of the way by their words. We've been looking at the book of Acts, and we just wrapped this up from our Bible reading, but I want to really spend some time in here tonight. When you look at the book of Acts, when you look at what people were saying, what the disciples, those who were of the way, were teaching and preaching, what we find is that there were common phrases that were stated over and over again. We find through their speech, through their words, through their interaction, through their communication, that people could quickly identify that these individuals were of the way. I want you to notice just for a few minutes what... Uh, A recurring theme we find time and time again, look over in Acts chapter 2 and verse number 36, a familiar chapter, but in Acts chapter 2, verse number 36, on the day of Pentecost when Peter was preaching, I want you to notice this, listen to what he said in verse number 36. Peter said, therefore, let all the house of Israel know for certain that God has made him both Lord and Christ, this Jesus, whom you crucified. Peter's emphasizing Jesus is Lord. He is the one that reigns. He is the Messiah. He is the anointed one. You killed him and he was risen from the grave. In Acts chapter three, I want you to notice in verse number 13, when Peter and John went to the temple in Acts chapter three, verse number 13, the Bible says the God of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob, the God of our fathers has glorified his servant Jesus the one whom you delivered and disowned in the presence of Pilate when he had decided to release him You see what Peter and John are talking about there they're talking about Jesus and the the fact that he's the servant of God and what he came to do look over in Acts chapter four and I want you to notice in verse number 12 Acts chapter four verse number 12 what is Peter and John emphasizing here what words are they using and talking about And there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven that has been given among men by which we must be saved. Time and time again, folks, are talking about Jesus of Nazareth. They're talking about salvation in Jesus Christ. Look over in Acts chapter 5, verse number 30. Acts chapter 5 and verse number 30. The Bible says, Peter, here again, he said, The God of our fathers raised up Jesus, whom you had put to death by hanging him on a cross. Acts chapter six, look at verse number 14, Acts chapter six and verse number 14. Here we find someone different. We find Stephen, Uh, Stephen, uh, the people were rehearsing what uh, they were saying. Stephen was teaching for we have heard him say that this Nazarene Jesus will destroy this place and alter the customs with which Moses handed down to us. Time and time again, this is what we find. At the people of God, those of the way, we're talking about the one who is the way, the truth, and the life. Acts chapter 7, verse number 56. Behold, I see the heavens opened up, and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. That's Stephen speaking. Acts chapter 8, and I want you to notice verse number 12. As Philip was in Samaria, but when they believed, Philip, preaching the good news about the kingdom of God in the name of Jesus Christ, they were being baptized, men and women alike. Whether it was Peter, John, Stephen, Philip, they're all saying the same thing, folks. Their words are emphasizing what they believe concerning Jesus, the Messiah, the anointed one, the Son of God. In fact, when we continue on in Acts chapter 9 and verse number 22, After the conversion of the Apostle Paul, the very one who was going after those who were of the way, Paul now changed his language, his words. In Acts 9 and verse number 22, but Saul kept increasing in strength and confounding the Jews who lived at Damascus by proving that Jesus is the Christ. Time and time again, look at Acts chapter 27. Somebody may be thinking, how many more verses are you going to show us? Just stay with me. Acts chapter 27. I want you to make sure you understand this. Acts chapter 27, verses 21 through 25, when Paul was on a ship. Verse number 21, when they had gone a long time without food, then Paul stood up in their midst and said, Men, you ought to have followed my advice and not to have set sail from Crete and incurred this damage and loss. Yet now I urge you to keep up your courage, for there will be no loss of life among you, but only of the ship. For this very night, an angel of the God to whom I belong and whom I serve stood before me saying, do not be afraid, Paul. You must stand before Caesar and behold, God has granted you all those who are sailing with you. Therefore, keep up your courage, men, for I believe God that it will turn out exactly as I have been told. Paul is on a ship with 275 other souls and he's proclaiming God. The true and living God, the God that he serves, those were the words that Paul was emphasizing. These were the words that those who are of the way talked about and used time and time again. And so when you think about all of this, when you think about what these men and what these women were, were proclaiming with respect to their faith, it would have become really easy to identify these individuals. In fact, did you notice back in Acts 9, verse number 2, when Paul, where he was trying to find some of these individuals, He was in the synagogue, and so he would have heard these individuals talking about Jesus, talking about those, talking about the Messiah, talking about the Christ, those who are of the way. They would have been easily identified by the words which they use time and time again, whether in their teaching, their preaching, and I think probably even in their general conversation. So what does all of this mean for us? Well, I think a question for us to think about is, will people be able to perceive that we are of the way by our words? When people hear us, what do they hear? It's very clear when you listen to those in the first century. Jesus, my friends, he is the way, the truth, and the life. And if we are in Jesus Christ, we are of the way. I will tell you at times it can become a little bit weird because It should become really natural for us, I think, to to talk more about the one that we're following, that we are following the one who is the way, the truth and the life that we are in him. We're in Jesus Christ. He is our king. And yet sometimes people may identify us as something else or identify something else about ourselves before they ever really identify who we are. That we are Christians and that we are Christians, that we are in Christ Jesus. It can be weird and sadly it's unfortunate that sometimes people can identify whether we are a Republican or a Democrat or an independent. People can identify what political party we're a part of. And yet sometimes they can't always identify that we're actually part of the way. And it's very easy sometimes to look at or to understand what some Christians believe because all you gotta do is get on Facebook every four years and you can see who's upset and who's not upset based upon who's voted into office. And yet I think there's a great danger even for many Christians where politics can become like the golden calf, where the emphasis and the focus is all about that. But people should be able to identify that I'm part of the way, that this is who I am, that, this is, that my allegiance is to Jesus Christ. It can be very easy for people to identify what sports team I'm a fan of. Sometimes they may not be able to identify that I'm part of the way. It can be easy for people to see what really gets me passionate, what I'm passionate about or excited about in my life based upon the words that they hear. I'm not saying certain things are wrong or anything like that, but it is weird sometimes that people may not truly understand that I'm part of the way, that you're part of the way. that We're part of following Jesus Christ, that we are Christians, and yet sometimes they can quickly identify a lot of other things about us. Brothers and sisters, a question for all of us is, are we blending in or standing out? Can people see that we are part of the way? And Paul went into the synagogue. He'd be able to hear and he'd be able to identify fairly quickly. All right. That family there, watch them. I think they're following Jesus Christ or wherever he may have been. You see, those who are of the way made it very clear through their words. Think about all the examples that we have in the book of Acts, whether it was Paul and Silas going to uh, by the side of a river, talking to some women like, uh, like Lydia in Acts chapter 16. Their conversation would make it clear that they were of the way or whether Paul was on a ship or whether or not Paul and Silas were in a prison cell or in a synagogue. People would be able to see these individuals through their words or part of the way. There's a passage that I love in Acts chapter 4 and verse number 13. In Acts chapter 4 and verse number 13, the Bible says, and this is when Peter and John got in trouble after healing this man in Acts chapter 3 and proclaiming Jesus Christ. The Bible says, now as they observed the confidence of Peter and John and understood that they were uneducated and untrained men, they were amazed and began to recognize them as having been with Jesus. They said something different about these men. And obviously, I know there is a miracle involved with all of this, but they saw these individuals had been with Jesus. And I think that's something powerful for us to consider. Can people see that we are in Christ, that we are part of the way? If Paul was here prior to his conversion, would he be chasing after me? Would he be chasing after you? Would he be able to see that we are part of the way based upon what, what he would hear from us? Brothers and sisters, the words of those in the first century made it very clear that they were following Jesus Christ. And our words, hopefully, should make that point very clear to others around us. Jesus is the way. He is the truth. He is the life. And therefore, our words should demonstrate what we believe about him, that people should hear about how they can have truth and salvation and life and joy and peace and unity and forgiveness that are all found in Jesus Christ. That's what people in the first century were hearing. Another identifying mark of those who were of the way in the first century, not only was it with their words, but... It was with their entire walk. When you go back to the book of Acts, I think Paul would be able to identify those who were of the way by the way that they lived. There was something unique about these Christians. There was something unique about those who were of the way. And I think we see that very clearly, that people in the first century, those in their their community and their friends or family members, those who were opposed to them could see these individuals are acting totally different than like anyone else. I think that's very clear when we open up the word of God. So the question is, what did these unbelievers see? And how were they able to distinguish and identify? These individuals have to be a part of the way. Well, again, go back to Acts chapter 2. And I want you to notice, I'm going to walk you through a series of passages here. In Acts chapter 2, and I want you to see what these unbelievers, what these individuals would have saw in those Christians in the first century. In Acts chapter 2, in verse number 44, the Bible says, And all those who had believed were together and had all things in common. And they began selling their property and possessions and were sharing them with all as anyone might have need. Day by day, continuing with one mind in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, they were taking their meals together with gladness and sincerity of heart. What do you see in those verses? What do you see in those verses with those who are of the way in their walk? What I see is that these Christians were spending a whole bunch of time together. You see that? They were together, they were unified, they were a team, they were a family, and people around them would have been able to see that as well. You look over in Acts chapter 4, and I want you to notice in verse number 32, what do you see here, and what would people in the world see here in verse number 32? And the congregation of those who believed were of one heart and soul, And not one of them claimed that anything belonging to him was his own, but all things were common property to them. And with great power, the apostles were given testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. There are more words right there. And abundant grace was upon them all, for there was not a needy person among them. For all who were owners of land or houses would sell them and bring the proceeds of the sales and lay them at the apostles' feet. And they would be uh, distributed to each as any had need. What would people in the world see? What do you see in those verses? I see people who are giving freely and helping those who are also a part of the way. And can you imagine some of the conversations? Uh, a Christian selling a piece of property and they get in a conversation, and why, why are you selling your land? Brother in Christ needs some help. What? Wait, wait, wait. You're selling all of this? Yeah, there's a family that's in need and they need some assistance. Imagine the impact of that that would have had among those around them. What about Acts chapter 5 and verse number 11? Remember the story of Ananias and Sapphira? Acts chapter 5 and verse number 11. What would people know about those who are of the way after hearing what happened in Acts 5? The Bible says in verse number 11, And great fear came over the whole church and over all who heard of these things. What did they hear? They heard that Ananias and Sapphira both died. They heard that discipline took place. Among those who are of the way. And great fear came upon all those. This wasn't just news to those who were in in Christ. Everyone heard of this. And they they were in fear. And so those around them would see, wait a second, those who are of the way, this is serious business here. People are dying because they have done something wrong. They lied to the Holy Spirit. What about in Acts chapter 9? Look at verse number 36. We talked about this a little bit in our Bible class. In Acts chapter 9 and verse number 36. We find a woman named Tabitha. The Bible says in verse number 36, Now in Joppa there was a disciple named Tabitha, which translated in Greek is called Dorcas. This woman was abounding with deeds of kindness and charity, which she continually did. And it happened at that time that she fell sick and died. And when they had washed her body, they laid it in an upper room. Since Lydda was near Joppa, the disciples, having heard that Peter was there, sent two men to him, imploring him, Do not delay in coming to us. So Peter arose and went with them. When he arrived, they brought him into the upper room, and all the widows stood beside him, weeping and showing all the tunics and garments that Dorcas used to make while she was with them. But Peter sent them all out and knelt down and prayed, and turning to the body, he said, Tabitha, arise. And she opened her eyes, and when she saw Peter, she sat up. And he gave her his hand and raised her up, and calling the saints and widows, he presented her alive. It became known all over Joppa. And many believed in the Lord. What would people see? They would hear about these good deeds, the kindness of, of Tabitha and how she took care of so many widows. And they would see those who are of the way. These are generous people here. They're considering one another. They're taking care of one another. That's what people would see in their walk those who are of the way. Look at Acts chapter 19. I want you to notice here in Acts chapter 19. I think this is powerful as well. In Acts chapter 19, in Ephesus, in Acts 19, in verse number 18, look at those who are now of the way, who are following Jesus. The Bible says, many also of those who had believed, kept coming, confessing, and disclosing their practices. And many of those who practiced magic brought their books together and began burning them in the sight of everyone. And they counted up the price of them and found it 50,000 pieces of silver. Talk about a game changer right here. Did you hear about those who are of the way they burned their magic books? I mean, they closed their entire store. They got to change careers. They got rid of everything. Why did they do that? Because they were with the following the one who is the way, the truth, and the life. That's why, and people would be able to see there is something different about these individuals who burns books. That's worth fifty thousand pieces of silver. You know how much money that would be for us today? I don't know, but I'll just say a lot. Okay, they burned them. Why? Because they were now in Christ change had to be made. See, this is an idea of repentance here. And people would see, wait a second, their walk is totally different. In Acts chapter 17, I love this example here. In Acts chapter 17, uh, people would see something with Paul here. In Acts chapter 17, Paul, while he's waiting in Athens in verse number 16, while Paul was waiting for them in Athens, his spirit was being provoked within him as he was observing the city full of idols. So he was reasoning in the synagogue with the Jews and the God fearing Gentiles and in the marketplace every day with those who happened to be present. They would see again their words and they would see these individuals are bold and they're not just going to stand by and not say anything. When they see something that is wrong, they're going to go and, and, and say something or do something about that. I'm saying all of this because people in the first century... They would be able to identify those who are of the way because they would be able to see a drastic change in their lives. They would see that these people were giving, that these people were loving, that they were taking care of one another, that they were with one another on a regular basis, that they were willing to sacrifice everything to follow Jesus Christ. We step out of the book of Acts for just a moment. When you look at 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 9, 10, 11, I think this is really powerful, too, because people in the first century, they would see there is something that changed with these men men and women. In 1 Corinthians chapter 6 verses 9, 10, 11, Paul said, or do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor homosexuals, nor thieves, nor the covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. Such were some of you, but you were washed But you were sanctified, but you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and in the spirit of our God. Those who are of the way, they had a drastic change in their lives. And people would be able to see their walk is different. They have stopped certain actions in their lives. And there's there's something that's changed. That's what people would see. Those who were of the way. First people in the first century would see that these individuals they truly had taken up their cross They had taken up their cross as jesus said in luke 9 and verse number 23 They were being kind like their savior uh, Says in luke chapter 6 and verse number 35 So i'm saying all of this for a point brothers and sisters if paul Were here in Louisville, looking to bind those who were of the way would he chase us? Would he chase me? Would he be running after you? Would he have enough evidence for us, for him to see they are certainly of the way? Would he be able to come to that conclusion by the way that we treat one another, by the way that we treat our neighbors, by the way that our lives have drastically changed now that we are in Jesus Christ? Now, while we don't seek to glorify ourselves through the natural course of life, people should see a distinction in us. People should see that we are truly following the way. People should see that we're hard, that we're hard workers when we go to work. I think about Colossians chapter three and verse number 23, where Paul said, whatever you do, do your work heartily as for the Lord rather than for men, that we work hard, that we're not going to steal or cheat from our company. They should see something different in our walk as opposed to so many other people in the world. They should see that we are hospitable, that we are spending time with one another, that we're opening up our homes, that we truly enjoy each other's company. They should see that we are full of good deeds of kindness, according to Galatians chapter 6 and verse number 10. That we should do good unto all men, especially those of the household of faith. People should see a change in our lives. And while we may not have magic books to burn, we may have habits that need to be burned, that need to be destroyed. As Ken talked about, the idols that need to be torn down and burned down forever, that that will be evident for all to see. People in Acts 4 and verse 13, they recognize that Peter and John had been with Jesus. Will people be able to recognize that we are with Jesus, that we are in Christ, that we are following the one who is the way, the truth, and the life? Jesus is the way to a life of freedom, deliverance. And so, therefore, we have a great responsibility and opportunity to show people what real living looks like. The devil has deceived so many people, and we have the truth, and we need to share with people what it is that Jesus Christ can really do for us in our lives. Those who are of the way, they would have been identified through their words, through their walk. and Finally, they would have been identified through their, through their worship. Uh, eventually, we will come up. There it is. When you go back to the text, Paul, I believe, would be able to identify those who are of the way uh, by, their, by their actions, by the way that they worship God. Those Jewish Christians had turned from following the law of Moses to following Jesus. Talk about a drastic change that took place. Those non-Christians would be able to see that those of the way they gathered together to worship On the first day of the week, on Sunday, go over to Acts chapter 20 and Acts chapter 20 and verse number 7. I know this passage may be familiar, but it's still an important passage for us. We find that in the first century, those who are of the way, again, they spent time with one another. And one of the things that they did, they gathered together as the people of God on the first day of the week. On the first day of the week, when we were gathered together to break bread, Paul began talking to them, intending to leave the next day. And he prolonged his message until midnight. I think it's interesting that those in the world would be able to learn and see that those who are of the way came together to partake of the Lord's Supper. And I think for a lot of people in the world, they probably would have thought that this Lord's Supper, this meal that they take or took was a strange meal. They come together and partake of unleavened bread and grape juice, the fruit of the vine. Why are they doing this? And they would understand why they would do this, because it was a memorial to remember the great sacrifice of Jesus but imagine the impact of hearing these Jewish Christians singing songs of praise to Jesus. Imagine seeing thousands of Jewish Christians stopping at some point on Sunday to worship together. Imagine seeing those of the way worshiping God, even in the worst situations. That's what people saw. They saw Paul and Silas. They heard Paul and Silas in prison singing praises to God. The dedication of those of the way that they had to Jesus and worshiping him certainly would have had an impact upon those around him, around them. They would have seen that something was unique about these individuals. And so, again, a question I ask is if Paul were here on his mission to find those of the way, would he chase after us? Would he see through our worship, whether collectively or individually, these individuals here are of the way? Would he be able to see through our commitment to worshiping God? that we're following Jesus Christ. Paul's not here, but we are. And so are a bunch of other people that see us every day. What do they see? What do they hear? Do they see our commitment to worship? Do they see that there is something unique about us? I know I may be talking to the choir. We're all here on a Sunday afternoon worshiping God. And yet this is something that we need to be reminded of. Brothers and sisters, worship is on the decline in America. Worship is on the decline in many churches of Christ. I've been in Texas now for almost nine years, and the nine years that I've been here, there have been many doors that have been closed with respect to congregations. And what's happening in so many places is that a lot of people just are not as interested in worship. Oh, yeah, I'll go, but only because I don't want somebody to call me. I don't want the elder to call me or the elders to call me next week. Where's our heart when it comes to worship? Saints are worshiping God. It didn't matter what the situation was. Those are of the way. They said, this is what we're going to do. We're going to go till midnight. We're going to worship God. We're going to stay together. We're going to remember the great sacrifice of our king. But it's a challenge today. And I think about our Sundays. Our Sundays are busier than like never before. Our lives are busier than like never before. Yet worship is not something that we should just squeeze into our schedule. It's not something that we should just, well, I've got to make some time for this. Really, everything should revolve around it. Our lives should be about giving God glory, honor, and praise. When I was in Jerusalem back in January and in February, I saw how important Shabbat really is, the Sabbath. I recognize we're not under the law, but those in Israel, they still observe Shabbat, the Sabbath. We got lost going back to our hotel <laughs> Saturday. There's hardly anybody out on the streets. It's Shabbat. And they started closing things down Friday afternoon. We got nervous because we didn't have everything that we needed in our apartment. And stores were going to shut down by 3 o'clock. You know why? Because Shabbat, the Sabbath is near. The Sabbath is almost here. So on the way home, our brother Scott, he turned down the wrong street. And there were some kids out in the street. I still was not able to determine what's work and what's not work. But some of the kids were out in the street. And they all came running toward the car. And you know what they told us? Shabbat, Shabbat, Shabbat. They wouldn't let us pass. So we had to back up and go another way. And I didn't really know what to think at first. But the more I thought about this, I said, that is amazing. These young children know it's the Sabbath. We don't play when it comes to the Sabbath. This is a holy day. That's what they believe. And so they wouldn't even let us pass through the street. Now, I'm saying all that, not because we observe the Sabbath or anything like that, but it just made an impression upon me that they recognized that this was something important. Nothing was going to get in the way of this. What about us? We have the truth about this, about the new covenant, and about how we ought to be worshiping our king. What are people going to see in us? Are they going to see the sacrifice that may be necessary? What are our families going to see? Do they see us preparing Saturday to worship on Sunday? Do people see us making accommodations in our travel so that we can worship our king? Those who are of the way, they would have been identified through their worship by what they did, whether it was partaking of the Lord's Supper or gathering on the first day of the week, the change that took place, and the way that they gave honor, glory, and praise to God. People need to see that our lives are all about God, the king, the savior, even to the point of death, if necessary. That's what people in the first century saw with those who were of the way. You see, those who were of the way were, they were very unique. They were distinct and different in how they lived, how they worshiped, and how they interacted. And people quickly identified something different about these individuals. Nothing should really change. Do you agree with that? Whether it's the first century or the 21st century, while centuries have changed, Jesus is still the way, the truth, and the life. And therefore, we need to be following him the same way that those disciples in the first century followed him. They were of the way, which means for us that we need to be kind. We need to be patient. We need to be loving. We need to rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. Worship with all of our hearts. Turn away from sin. Forgive. Show mercy. Proclaim that Jesus indeed is Lord. That's what we find when we look at those in the first century those who are of the way. And so hopefully when people see us, when people hear us, when they're around us long enough, they will be able to say, these individuals are of the way. There's something different about them. And I need to know exactly what it is. That's what we find in the first century. Let's make sure that we are followers of Jesus Christ. Let's make sure that we are committed to serving him. I appreciate your attention this afternoon. Maybe there's someone here who is not of the way. Well, you've heard me say numerous times, Jesus is the way, the truth, the life. No man comes to the Father except through him or by him. And so if you want to be with the Father, if you want to be in heaven one day with God and spend eternity there, then you need to be in Christ where salvation is found. He died for our sins to deliver us so that we could be redeemed. We'd love to tell you more about who Jesus is and to study, to sit down and to make sure you understand what it is that he requires of you. If you've already been studying, you know that you're not of the way, that you're not following Jesus and you need to be baptized for the forgiveness of your sins. We encourage you to do that now as we stand and as we sing. Would you be free from